0: Well, uh, as many of you know, we're already aware and perhaps already celebrated uh, Valentine's Day was this past Thursday, and so because of that, uh, in the mornings we had uh, some dating talks Uh, over at Southwood. uh, Trey and his wife uh, gave a presentation about dating and what that looks like, and then over here at Anderson, uh, Matt and Shannon uh, just—I think they just kind of did a Q and A where they just kind of sat up here and. People yelled at them, I guess, or something, and they answered a bunch of questions uh, about dating, and uh, personally, uh, I've been married for three years, and so, I mean, I won dating, and so I could talk about it, but I would rather not, because, come on, really? So let's just go ahead and talk about, instead, community, because I thought, you know, Valentine's Day is great, and you know dating 's really awesome, but there 's like a bajillion stinking talks that you 'll hear on dating like around this time, and so I thought well you know maybe we 'll we 'll stay in the relationship thing, but rather than you know focus on romance, you know we 'll go more the bromance route because that 's a little bit more fun right or if you 're a girl, I was trying to think of this all day. I came up with Galantine, maybe i don 't know, but i couldn 't really think of a you know female equivalent girl, bro, I don't know. It, it doesn't work. But, uh, you know, wh- whatever you're, you know, in your mind you'd like to think of, that sort of idea of, you know, what, what do we do with uh, people that are like us, right? What, how do we really find fellowship? How do we find community? Uh, when I first started A&M freshman year, I lived on campus, uh, and I lived Southside, Commons, Dirty Done represent. And uh, back when it was all boys, uh, so it was disgusting. Uh, but uh, when I moved in on campus, I didn't really know a lot about Texas A&M you know, campus and the living situation at all. I just knew someone told me, hey, go Southside because then you get your own bathroom. Are you share your bathroom with a sweet mate. And I said, okay, that sounds great, because I have a shy thing. And so I was like, you know, that, let's do that. Uh, and when I moved on campus, I discovered uh, that there's really two type of people uh, that go to Texas A&M University, at least two types of freshmen, right? Uh, there are either the people that live on South Side, which are normal people, right? And then there are people that live on North Side, right? Which are the people that you're like shocked five years later if they're not in prison, right? Like that's, that's how I think of North side. And I know, you're shaking your head, I'm sorry. I know there's some normal people on North Side, but good gosh, you are the exception, not the rule. Because when you look... At normal Northside traditions, right? Like, you just walk through campus, and I know it's gotten better now because now Northside, like, has air conditioning and some bathrooms, which is cool. Uh, but, my freshman year, man, like, you, you seriously, you walked on the north side of campus, like, in the door It was, like, going from east to west Berlin, I mean, or west to east Berlin, like, back in communism. Like, it was it was horrible. Like, you would go up there, and suddenly, you know, all the, like, nice people on the south side are, like, howdying and, like, gigging and stuff like that. You go up north side, and everyone looks like they just want to hurt you. And you're like, I don't... I don't like this, right? And you would, you would leave as quickly as possible uh, because they had crazy, crazy traditions. Uh, I had multiple friends that lived on Northside and they filled me in on all kinds of stuff. My freshman year, uh, one of the big things between like Walton and then whoever they hate uh, is they uh, all gathered, they got this big, huge rolling trash can and they saved all of their waste products, bodily, Waste products in a trash can, okay? Which we're all, this is already like psychopath levels of mentality, okay? It's in a trash can with a lid on it, sanitary, right? Don't worry. But then after they saved their waste in this for about a month, they then rolled it over to one of those other horrible dorms with the ramps that go up and down the hallways and they took it all the way to the very top of that dorm and they dumped it and they dumped it. All down this dorm, and so every you know, so it just it just goes down the whole dorm, and it just it was uh, incredible. Like I I wasn't even like Matt; it was just that almost you're impressed. You're like, that's that's amazing how insane you are. But it was just it was so disgusting, and they loved it. They're like, yeah, Northside, you know, choo choo, or I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they do, but you know, some of them are like crazy like that because they they were just so uh, psychotic. Like they had this, you know, and you probably still see every fall. There's those poor, poor guys who show up to football games with an H shaved into their head, right? Or they have some other letter that stands for dumb or, you know, whatever. Like, they have some letter shaved into their head because that's what their dorm does. Or, or maybe you've gone to Northside. I think they might have gotten rid of it now, but when I was there, freshman, man, they had a bike tree, which is where if you left your bike unlocked anywhere on Northside, any Anywhere on the north side of campus, anywhere near those dorms, if your bike was like just you know hanging out, if you were just stopping by really quick and you just wanted to leave your bike for like a minute, someone would find that bike and they would take your bike and they would throw it into a tree and so there was the bike tree where you would walk by and it would just be literally filled with bikes and every once in a while, I think on campus staff would like come and like pull bikes down and stuff like that i think it 's illegal now, or i don 't know they probably still do it because. It's Northside. They don't care about rules. But there was this tree filled with bikes, and every time I saw that, because I, I would go up to Northside to visit my friends, I'd be like, this is, this is Northside. Like, that's, this is the perfect image. These sweet young people's bikes just thrown up into a tree because why not? Why not? I live on Northside, and I'm insane, right? Like, that's, that's just, that was their mentality. And it was one of those things where I had these friends that lived up there, and I would try to talk to them, like, you know, you know, do you want to... Go somewhere like you can live off campus, or like I'll, I'll hide you in my dorm, right? Like I, you can you can stay in in our in our room or sleeping bag or something. But none of my friends that lived on Northside wanted to leave. They all loved it, and even now, like I'll talk to guys that I knew that lived on Northside. And they're like, yeah, yeah, right? Like this area. They were like, yeah, Northside, and you've heard the mon- the horrible things that happened there, but that they, they still love it. Why? Because in their own sick, twisted. Bodily waste smelling way they have found community they have found this strange fellowship that they've carved out for themselves to the point where you talk to guys that are you know lived on north side i have a brother in law who lived on north side straight as an arrow this guy is like doesn't look crazy at all but he just he loved living on north side loved it because he was like you know it's just so awesome because everyone's together we had this fellowship we had this community and it was so cool because man that's one of those things that we just crave man that's one of those things that we just we long for it's one of those things that we look for all the time, right? We were constantly seeking out community because no matter how introverted you think you are, no matter how independent you think you can be, man, everyone needs relationships. Everyone. Everyone needs community. Everyone needs a friend. Everyone needs that because we were designed to need it. I and mean, we were designed to where we crave in our very essence and our very soul we need community. And the problem is that a lot of times when we look for it, man, we find it in places that are not great, right? And we wind up with community that's not very beneficial, right? We wind up with a group of friends who throw 18-year-old girl bikes into trees, right? Like that, that's who we surround ourselves with because we just desperately want to find that community, See, the, the thing is, is that the Bible is very clear in what our community should look like because God created community, right? God created us with that need, and so he created a way for us to find community. If you look in Colossians up on the screen, it says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. I mean, Paul, if, if you are familiar with Colossians, you'll know that right at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul had just finished this huge big thing of all this stuff that you need to cut out of your life. He says you need to cast off sexual immorality. You need to cast off uh, anger and malice and selfishness. And then he transitions to this section where he says, you know what? After you've cast off all these terrible things, this is what you need to put on. And he says the main thing you need to put on is what? Fellowship, community, community. Why do you want these positive traits? Because that's what helps you interact with other believers. Because that's how you interact with this one body. Because when we look in Scripture, we see that God created us in his image. And what that means is that we have a lot of his traits. We have a lot of his characteristics. And one of those characteristics is a need for fellowship. And that's why I so desperately need a buddy or a gal pal or whatever. You know, that's why I need that. Because God is a God of community. He's a God of fellowship. We worship a triune God Father, Son, and Spirit, who's in constant communication, who's in constant movement, who's in constant fellowship. And so when we are created in His image, we bring in that need for fellowship, that need for community. That's why when God saw Adam in the garden, he created Adam, and he put him in this perfect place, right? He had this perfect dude in this perfect world, and it was this perfect place, and Adam had this perfect life where all he was doing was just walking around, like, naming animals and, like, riding dolphins and hanging up high-fiving monkeys, probably. Like, he's just, he's just hanging out, and he had the most perfect quiet time, right? God is walking with him in the garden in the cool of the day, and yet God looked at Adam, and he said, Nah. This doesn't work. So this isn't good. So it's not good for man to be alone. Even though God was with Adam, he said, no, you, you need another person. You need an equal. So he created Eve. He created woman so that there would be this community, this fellowship, this perfect merging Right? And when we go through life, man, what's amazing is we look at our society and we see that the world, even though it's broken and even though it's kind of messed up, man, we still recognize that need for fellowship, for community. Right? We're, we're always better with a buddy. That's why whenever you think of these you know, grand heroes, right? you've got Woody, but he's got Buzz. Right? You've got Phineas, but he's got Ferb. Right, you've got Arthur but he's got Buster. Right, you've got Harry Potter but he's got Ron and kind of Hermione. Eh, right? That's cool. Right? You've got you've got Luke Skywalker but he's got Han and then also Chewie and a, a, another kind of weird triune thing, right? And, and whenever you look at these groupings, right? When you see this Kirk and Spock and this Burton Ernie, like when you see this, you realize that no man can be alone. No woman can stand by ourselves, We see that we're always better with that buddy. Batman always needs that Robin. That's just how it is. And so when we recognize that in our society, it, it should be natural for us to realize that it's all through Scripture as well. Right? Society didn't just come up with that. It's, this is God's design. That's why when Jesus sends out his disciples in Matthew 10, it says that he sends them out in pairs, two by two, to go out and preach. perform miracles. That's why in the book of Acts, which we've been walking through all year, right, whenever we see missionaries go out, nine times out of ten, it is a group of at least two, maybe three, maybe four. It's always a group of missionaries that are going out to preach the word because they recognized that fellowship is so crucial. That's why when we look in the Old Testament, when we look at Ecclesiastes, it says that, again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Right, again, we see this idea that we are designed for fellowship, right? It starts out a little bit weird, talking about huddling together for warmth, right? Kind of that, you know, all right, man, let's fellowship, right? Like it's kind of that strange... Image, But then it moves, you know, into the familiar territory, right? That that, that proverb that everyone kind of knows. Oh, you know, you, you take the core, then you know, the sticks, and you put them together. And, oh, you can't break them because, oh, fellowship, right? Like, that's, that's where this comes from, Ecclesiastes. And he's saying, look, we are designed to be together. We are designed to have fellowship. We are not designed to face the world alone. And what's great is that the Bible doesn't just tell us, all right, you need it good luck, right? It doesn't just kick us out the door with that. Instead, what we see in Scripture is an awesome picture of what fellowship is supposed to look like, what true fellowship is designed to be. We're going to cover about three things, the first of which is, man, when we look at fellowship, it is encouraging. It's encouraging. We look in Hebrews, and it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. When I mean, we see that true fellowship is something that builds us up, that pushes us towards Christ, towards the Lord. Uh, when I was exercising with a friend of mine recently, uh, we would go on walks in a park, because I live right near a park, or Wolfpin Creek, and, uh, and we go on walks, okay? It's Two men going on walks with a five-pound dog. It's very masculine. And so whenever we went, uh, what was really great, what really you know, made us feel good about ourselves is we would always run into a boot camp. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever been in a boot camp or if you've seen a boot camp, uh, but basically w- the way it works is that you've got you know, like 20 people that all meet at normally some insane hour, like 6 o'clock in the morning, and they've got like, this one super in-shape person who then makes them do stuff that, like, the super in shape person would normally do. And you've got all these people that aren't in super shape, and you're like, this doesn't make sense. But they're out there, okay? And they're running. They're running up the hill, running down the hill. They're running around circles and lifting tires and punching each other. And so they're doing all this crazy stuff. And whenever we saw them, man, there was this one lady who was the instructor, and she would always wear, like, Marine stuff. Like, she was in the Marines, I guess. And she had, like, tats on her arms, and her skin kind of looked like leather. Like, it was just like that, like that, ooh, (laughs) ooh, You could you could kill me like with your foot like like this is like this is serious and, and we would see her and, and she always liked to talk to us because I think she thought we were ridiculous looking and so we'd always run by or we'd walk by and she's like you know running in place and like lifting people and so she's like walking up and she's always like oh hey how's it going we're like oh hey good right and so we would you know take my dog and run away uh, but. In that moment, whenever we saw her with those people, man, she'd always be cheering them on. She'd just be, like, yelling and blowing her whistle and, like, running around. And, like, there'd be that one person that's just kind of, oh, barely making it. And she'd be, like, running around in circles around them and just be like, yeah, 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 you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Right, like, butt-slap in. You're like, yeah. And, then, and you just see this encouragement. You see this building up. And, and it was just this cool picture of how she was encouraging them and, and pushing them to do better and to get in better shape. And, man, you saw it just work wonders with her participants. Because that's, that's what works. I had a buddy who uh, was in the Marines, and man, they, they go on, normally the opposite approach, right? When he went to basic, uh, when he went to, you know, further training schools, man, you've got that drill sergeant. He's just yelling at you and like cussing at you uh, unless there's visitors on campus, and then they're not allowed to cuss or something. That's weird. But he's just yelling and telling you that you're just terrible, and your mom is ugly, you know, and just like all these terrible things, and in those moments, he said, "What was interesting, and the way that kind of the military stuff works a lot of times is, man, that drill sergeant sets himself up as this almost this common enemy, so that then you and all of your buddies, man, you push each other, right, and you encourage each other, and you're you're helping each other out the pack because, dang it, the drill sergeant can't win because that guy is stinky, right? Like we don't like him, and so they've got to they've got to beat him, and, and he goes that opposite way. But the problem is that, man, it just it's not as effective. It really isn't. It, it's really not as effective as if you're just uplifting and encouraging." And pushing that person. You, you want that encouragement. And, and the sad thing is that a lot of times, man, our, our friendships don't look like that. A lot of times our fellowship is not uplifting. Man, I lived in a house with, you know, four other dudes for three years in college. And I know, I know that our fellowship is not uplifting. I know that a lot of times when we go home, man, we're just ragging on each other, right? Maybe in jest. But still, man, we're just cutting each other down. And think about that, man. Do you encourage your friends? Do you build them up? Do you compliment your roommate as much as you complain to or at them? Man, we just don't do this. And one of the cool things that I I tried in college, because I was encouraged, kind of challenged in this area, was I was given the positive comment test. Okay, if you're really trying to think about, okay, well, how encouraging am I? Like, how, how loving, how, how gracious am I in my relationships? Just run this test, okay? Think right now about your roommates, right, or about your friends. And then imagine if you left here, okay, in like 15 minutes, you just walk out this door, you go home, and you just you pull up alongside Jimmy in your kitchen, and you say, Jimmy, I, you're just so great at, you know, this I just, I re- you know what? You picked up your towel the other day. That was awesome. Thanks, man. You know, but slap, right? Like something. You know, or, or imagine if you left here and, and you sent that text message to your friend and was like, hey, man, I just, you know, you handled this other thing really, really well. Or, or I just love the fact that you did this or this. And then imagine how weird would that be, right? Like, how, how, how awkward would you then both feel? Probably kind of weird, right? Like, I, I would have felt weird. Uh, going home, if I was like telling my friends, like, dude, you're so great. Like he would be like, what do you mean? What? What? Why? Why are you telling me this? Right? What did you do? Is my is my bed is my bed in the river? Like they they would think that something bad had happened. Right? They would just assume that. Why? Because that's so weird. Because we don't do that. And how sad is that? How how tragic is it that we don't lift each other up? That we don't encourage each other? Because I mean, who else is gonna? Who's gonna encourage? Us, if we don't do it for one another. So think about that, man. How, where do you fit into this? Do you need to be encouraging your friends? Because, man, that's a huge part of fellowship. But, but that's not to say that fellowship is all encouragement. Right? When we look in the Bible, we don't just see as fellowship as you know, all sunshine and moonbeams. Right? It's not all unicorns and rainbows and stuff like that. that. That's not what fellowship is. Instead, we also see fellowship not only be encouraging, but, man, we see it being very tough. When we look in Proverbs, we see that iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Right? This classic verse of, oh man, you, you've got these two guys, and, and you've just got to sharpen each other. Right? You keep each other accountable. It's another word we love, we love to throw around. This idea that we call each other out when, when we're straying, when we're kind of off the path. And again, this is one of those things that we see in society. Right? There was a, a show—I don't know if it's still on, but it, it was for a long time—called Intervention. Uh, and basically, you would tune into Intervention, probably still showing reruns. Uh, and you would just—it was hilarious in my mind uh, because it would all be all these people, and they'd come together. And sometimes it'd be like really deep stuff, like their their you know friends struggling with like addiction uh, or you know or substance abuse or something like that. But then there'd be another episode that's about like. Jill, you have too many cats. Like, it would just like, be these things. You're like, you need to stop eating styrofoam. And they'd be like, oh, you're right, right? And it was just, it was just w- this strange show, okay? But you, you watch it and, and you see that the world recognizes, you know what, that we do need to help each other, right? We need to call each other out. We can't always just accept, accept everything about everyone. Because there's a few things that, uh, that's, yeah, you should not eat styrofoam, right? You should not own 300 cats, right? There's that show Hoarders. There are some people that they don't need all of that stuff because there's like mummified dogs in their house. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's freaky, right? So there is stuff that society is like, yeah, yeah, we need to go ahead and, and, and nix that. Like we need, to, we need to snip that right in the bud. Like we, we need to stop that. We need to help each other. We need to tell each other these things. I mean, the Bible, it, it says, you know what, there are so many things that we can sharpen one another in. There are so many things that we are called to, to call each other out on. There's so many things that we can help and, and t- tell each other, man, you need, to, you need to quit this. That's why in Paul's letters, I mean, in all of his epistles throughout the New Testament, when he's writing to all these churches, uh, there's always a big chunk of most of his letters that say, hey, by the way, tell so-and-so to quit that. Tell this other person they need to stop sinning in this way. Tell this person that they need to stop sinning fighting. He needs to stop sleeping with her, right? He goes in these huge chunks telling these churches, you've got to get these people in line because fellowship isn't just encouraging, man. It's, it's sharpening. It's tough. I had a, I had a group of buddies uh, that we all kind of grew up in Bible study together when I was in high school. And, and what was really kind of funny in God's providence uh, is that a lot of us started out super great kids, like super solid Straight, straight road, straight and narrow. Uh, And then, by about like sophomore, like junior of high school, uh, most of us just went like crazy, Uh, and we just kind of lived in all these different ways, and we all just kind of went these different routes. And man, we just lived it up, and just went on just so many different crazy, non godly things. But again, in God's providence, man, He brought us all back together. By about our senior year, most of us had basically refound Christ. Until all of us were back in this Bible study, coming together, saying, man, this, this stuff is legit. We're like, this is real. Like, I know I've been professing it, and I know that, you know, I, I've been saved all this time. But, man, I didn't realize how serious this was until now. And we all came to that realization at the same time, which was so cool. And, and part of that was that in our senior year, we had some leaders that encouraged us. They said, all right, you know, guys. We're going to, you know, we're going to really focus on accountability. We're going to really focus on, you know, pushing each other and sharpening one another. And so one of the things that we're going to focus on is this area of lust, this area of impure thoughts. And so they took us to Job, this kind of classic verse in Job, which is Job thirty-one-one, which says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. And they told us this, and they said, you know what, this is your mantra, okay? This is the new thing. This is what you need to tattoo on your hand, or I don't know. But, you know, this is the thing. This is the thing that you need to remember, and so we took it, and, man. We ran with it, and so we said, "Okay, you know what? Three one one. That's how we're gonna remember this." Just there was a band at the time called Three Eleven that was weird, and we're not gonna get into that. But you know, we were like, "Okay, three and it was to the point where we would be at school, and man, if we were hanging out, or, or you know, if we were in outside school at a football game or something like that, and maybe you know, little Honey Pie comes walking through our midst, maybe she's dressed like her father would be sad, right? Like maybe that's happening. And in that moment, we would turn to each other and be like, 311, 311, son. And then we would just like we just be like, uh, no nah. right. We just like look away. And that's what we would do to keep each other accountable. We'd be like, dude, you better look out. You turn the corner of this hallway, 311 all over the place. And we'd be like, all right, I'll take a different hall. I'm gonna take a different staircase. Right? I'm gonna go outside the school. Like I'm just we we helped each other in that way. We said, Man, 311, you better look out. You better look out, because that thing is gonna take you down, right? That woman is standing in her doorway. She is calling you in. Do not trust the temptress. Like, we're like, no, we need to put a kibosh on this. And so we came together as a group, as fellowship, as community, and we sharpened each other. And we kept each other accountable in that area. And man, it's something that I've benefited so greatly from. And it's something that I impress upon the high schoolers that I work with right now. Is this idea of, man, you've got to keep each other accountable. And it's so sad, is man, just like we're not encouraging we do not keep each other accountable. Man, so often we have that roommate or we have that buddy, we have that friend who is like dating this person and it's just a horrible relationship and everyone knows, but no one tells them, right? And maybe you talk to each other about it. You're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. They do not need to be together, right? But no one tells them. Or maybe you have that buddy, man, he's he's going down this path, and you just, you'd never tell him to stop. Or you have that friend, and man, she is making all the wrong decisions, and you don't stop her. You don't pull up alongside of her. And a lot of times, that's because we don't already have an encouraging relationship, right? Because it's really hard to be accountable with someone. It's really hard to step into someone's life and be like, hey, look, dude. You really need to shape up in this if you've never said anything kind to them, right? If you've never been loving towards them because you don't have the right to speak into them. That's why we start with encouragement. We start with love. And that's why even when we keep each other accountable, we have to balance it with love, right? We can't just walk up to our buddy and tell him, oh, you're doing this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. You just got sharpened. Ah, right? Like I'm the sharpener. Like, ah, right? We can't do that. Because that's not biblical. Instead, what we see is men who love each other, women who love each other and encourage each other, and also keep each other accountable, sharpen each other. We see a balance. And man, we, we need that. We need that so badly. Because again, who's going to keep them accountable if you don't? Who's going to do it? That's our job. It's our responsibility. But before we have this fellowship, right, we, we need to find it, right? And some of us, I, I hope that we have it, right? I hope that some of you are already kind of thinking about, yeah, that's you know, I've got so-and-so and so-and-so or, man, I've, my roommates or whoever. Maybe you've got it, but maybe you haven't found it, right? Maybe you feel like you don't have good fellowship. And, and I'm going to tell you right now that there's one really Key piece, if you're looking for fellowship, if you're thinking, I don't even know how to find that, I don't even know where to go, one key piece. C.S. Lewis has this quote in his book, The Four Loves. He says, lovers are face-to-face, friends are side-by-side, looking ahead. He says, this is why the pathetic people who simply want friends never make any the very condition of having friends is wanting something other than friends. Friendship must be about something, even if it is just dominoes or white mice. Right now, I love this quote partially because it reveals C.S. Lewis's strange fascination with white mice, right? That's weird. But it also shows, man, the the truth of our condition, the truth of of how fellowship exists. And the thing is that, man, fellowship has to be about something, right? There needs to be a focus. True fellowship isn't just encouraging. It's not just sharpening, but also true fellowship has a focus. A while back, uh, there was this thing called the University Plaza Hotel. And some of us, hopefully, uh, were around when it was imploded. Uh, basically, it was this huge event here in College Station, and everyone was super excited about it. Uh, and it was like in the paper, uh, and it was in the news, and like it, was just, it overwhelmed everything for like a week. Because everyone was like, oh my gosh, they're going to blow up the plaza. It was right there on Texas Avenue in University, just this huge building. And it was really old and horrible, and there was like stuff going on inside those like dirty. And so they were like, We gotta bring this thing down. Uh, and so what they did is they, they told everyone, Okay, if you wanna watch it, you can show up six AM Thursday, we're gonna blow it up. And so everyone said, Uh yes please. And so everyone in college station just went, like literally thousands and thousands of people, my wife and I included. And we woke up at five thirty on Thursday and we drove we drove to the spot. Uh, we couldn't get very close because the car, the city looked like uh, like a post-apocalyptic kind of scenario with just cars just like on the sides of the road and just like people like kind of staggering, right? Because it's like 5 45 in the morning and they're just like walking. They've got like kids and like equipment and like farm animals just like all over and they're just kind of to kind of making their way towards this one point. You're like, what is going on? And we get out and we kind of stumble and have to fight off a few you know, bandits. And, and we eventually get to this field where all these people had gathered, literally thousands and thousands of people. And we're all gathered and we're looking at the plaza and the designated viewing area. And as we're waiting, I mean, they've got some songs playing, and people are walking around taking pictures. Everyone's really kind of giddy and excited. And we're all staying there until eventually they said, okay, here it comes. And they had this countdown, and it got delayed, and that was sad. But then they blew it up, and just everyone just, like, lost it. I was just super excited, and people were, like, filming it and all this crazy stuff. And, and we just loved watching this building fall apart and just, just imploded. And then everyone was like, well, six 30. Time to go to work, I guess. And everyone just kind of left, and it was weird and kind of awkward. But we were all, in that moment, gathered to see this building fall. And it was one of those beautiful moments because I thought in that moment, man, how hilarious would it be if just they told us, "I oh, you know what, never mind, we're going to do it next Thursday, right? That would be so funny because you would have literally like 25,000 people just standing around. Just hanging, hanging out, right? Which would never happen otherwise, right? Like they could never put in the news or in the paper, hey, everyone come 6 a.m. We're all just going to kind of stand around, talk to each other, bring your kids if you want. It'll be fun, right? No one's going to go to that. No one's going to go to that horribly planned event. Why? Because who wants to stand around a field at 6 a.m. and talk to Jim? No one. Jim is boring, right? Like we don't want to do that. And so we only showed up because there was something happening, right? Because there was that focal point. I mean, this is why we need a cause. Man, this is, this is part of who we are. This is why Texas A&M has over 800 student organizations. Do you realize this? Over 800. I looked up the website and just browsed. Just for like two minutes, I browsed and found just a gold mine. Of the strangest organizations I've ever heard of. Uh, in fact, one of our sound guys, he's not here tonight, unfortunately, but that'd be hilarious. Uh, his name is Kevin, if you want to ridicule him later, but he is an officer in the American Helicopter Association. And I said, Kevin, why are you in that? He said, because I love helicopters. I said, keep on flying, bro. Like, that's, that's great. Okay, right? But there are so many things just like that. There is an Aggie Knitting Club, okay, with no joke. They have a slogan. If someone in here is in it, mad props. But they have a slogan, making the world a warmer place, one stitch at a time. <laughs> I I can't even make that up. We have a tabletop wargaming club, man, which is awesome, People play that apparently on Northside. Awesome, right? Like we we have war gaming uh, on tables, which is really fun and actually. But there's another. You know, we've got Scrabble clubs. Uh, we have a remote controlled club, uh, which is just they were like, you know what? I like everything that you can control with a remote control club. And so they just that's what they do. They use cars and planes and literally anything that has a remote control. You can go there. Uh, welcome for all boats. Even uh, we have a Tamu. Uh, Herpetology Society. Herpetology Society, which is to educate the student body and community about reptiles. Reptiles was the answer (laughs) to herpetology, right? And and that's, that's just one of those things, man. There are some people that are so proud, and that's awesome. That's awesome that we have over 800 organizations. We have a freestyle, no joke, a freestyle underground street dancers that is a group, FUSGD, the Foost. Like, you can join FUSD, freestyle, underground, street dancers. And I don't know what you do, but it's probably underground, and it's going to be awesome because you've got these people that have gathered around this one focal point. I mean, we have over eight a cappella groups, over eight. Okay, I found eight, but that's probably not all. Eight a cappella groups because one a cappella group is woefully too little, as is seven, apparently. Right? We need... We need those groups because we have these people that care about these things. I mean they have these focuses and they need to find other people. And so they form this club. And man, because that's how we're wired. We want that. But what's so sad is that a lot of times we find these focuses, right? We find these points. We find these these hobbies or these careers. And we're so excited about it. And we gather up all these friends. We're like, yeah, let's go after this, right? C.S. Lewis was like, I love mice. And some other guy was like, me too. And so they were just like, they had this mice club. And they were, they were just chugging along. But the problem is that these things, I man, they end. They end. That's why many of us have already experienced, you graduate high school. I don't know if you went to a larger high school. I had a graduating class of like 600, 6,700, 700, which isn't huge. But I have not seen 95% of those people easily, ever again. Ever. And you know what's really crazy? I don't know if you realize this, but college is the same way. When I graduated college, man, I had these, all, all these friends and all these kind of connections, and, man, 90% of them, gone. Gone. Because this person moves here, this person goes there. You just, you move on. Because whatever you were focused on, whether it was your classes or this organization you're in or this club you joined, man, that thing, it ends. It's over. That's why when we look in Scripture, man, we see that the only thing that lasts, the only thing the Bible tells us to focus on is God. God. When I was in high school, like I said, I had this group of guys. We were in Bible study together. And by our senior year, man, we had kind of figured things out. And so what we decided is, you know, we've we've got this Wednesday night Bible study. We've got this thing on Sunday, but we want something more. And so we decided, you know what? We're going to show up at a coffee shop at 6 in the morning on Fridays. And we're going to walk through a systematic theology book. And we're just going to show up and we're just going to talk about it. We're going to take turns leading one another through this book. And we did that. And let me tell you, the people that I've actually talked to, my closest friends, the guys that I can still call right now and just tell them about what's going on or or get help, I mean, it's those guys. It's those guys that were in that group, that were in that accountability group. And a lot of those guys, man, they carried over to when I was in college. I had another group of guys, about 10 or 12 of us, that we decided, you know what, late Wednesday night we're just going to show up at my house and we're going to get together and we're just going to kind of talk through our week. We're going to pray for one another, and then we're going to split off into pairs that we just would randomly assign every semester. We're going to split into these pairs, and we're, going to, we're just going to ask each other tough questions and keep each other accountable. And I did that for three years in college because I recognized, you know what, if we're not being intentional with our time, if we're not focusing on the Lord, man, this relationship's not going to last. And again, the people that I keep up with post-college are those 12 guys. And that's about it. Because we had something that was deeper than a love of helicopters, than a class that we had, than a major that we shared, because we were focused on the Lord. So I don't know where you are tonight specifically. Some of us, man, we need to improve our current fellowship. And what that could mean for you is maybe this week you need to set up an intentional time to meet with your house, with your roommates, or maybe with your friends, Maybe you have breakfast together once a week. I know that everyone's busy, and you've got all these different directions you're being pulled, but man, just have breakfast once a week. I I had some friends who what they did is one guy would wake up extra early, and he would cook breakfast for everyone. They would just, every week they would rotate. Who would cook breakfast? But they would, every Thursday, they'd get together and have breakfast. Just to talk. Just to be intentional with that time. Not to just sit there and like joke and laugh and talk about whatever show that they all watch, but they were intentional at the time and asked each other tough questions. Maybe you just need to have that awkward conversation. Maybe you've got that friend that you thought of right at the very beginning of the night. You're like, oh, Samantha. Mm-hmm. Sammy girl, you drive me bonkers, right? Like you've got that friend and you just, you've got this animosity and she maybe knows about it and you definitely know about it and you just, mm. you just got to have that awkward conversation. You've just got to step into that, and you've got to turn that broken friendship into true fellowship. And you've got to tell them, look, I've got an issue with this, or you did this to hurt me, or I I need to apologize because of this. Man, it's just the band-aid, and you just got to rip it off. You need to have that weird conversation, because I promise afterwards, the benefits are so great. That's what God calls us to do, to mend that relationship. But like I said earlier, man, maybe some of us, we don't have that fellowship. Some of us were like, gosh, I, that sounds great. I, I would love to hang out with other people that, I, that love God. I would love to find that, but I don't know where to find it. Maybe I have a group of friends, but there's no way they're ever going to go in that direction. So I need to find someone new. Or maybe I just came to college, or maybe I transferred in, and I don't really know anyone. And I kind of have this one buddy from high school, but he's weird, and... I just I need to find someone. I need to find a group. Man, that's tough. That's really tough. But let me encourage you that this week, man, take some steps. Right? Maybe this means that you need to join a small group. Here at Grace, we have a ton of small groups, literally tons. Maybe you decide, you know what, I don't really fit in with all those Grace small groups. Maybe you need to go down to Living Hope or you need to go to New Life. Or you need to go to Antioch. I, it's, that's fine. But you need to find some church body that you can plug into. Because, man, you can try to join this American Helicopter Association, but like I said, man, that's, that's going to end. You need to find a group that's focused on God. So maybe you find that in a small group. Maybe you find that just by serving. Uh, one of the best ways to suddenly just build community is to serve within a ministry or within a community. Man, that's why you, you come out to campus lunch on Wednesday. Man, it might be kind of weird. It might just be you and the interns. That might be it. But you know what? The interns are awesome. And you would love to get to know them. I promise. So maybe you just need to take those steps. Maybe you show up and you say, hey, you know what? I, I, I know you guys are doing this like gender game thing. And I know there's no games. That's unfortunate. But I'm still willing to help, right? I'll, I'll greet people. I'll, I'll hand out pins or, you know, whatever. I, I will do those things, I'll pull the chariot as they wheel in everyone, right, in the wave of the crowd. Like I'll, I'll do those things. Just let me serve, because in that way, I promise you will begin to meet people. You will begin to form relationships, and then you just got to take that awkward step of being like, "Hey, dude, we're dudes, but I like you, and I think we should have coffee because you're a man of God. I respect that. I don't, maybe don't do that. That that was." That was a bad approach. But somehow, you can initiate that relationship, right? Somehow, you can just broach that subject. You can have that weird conversation where you say, hey, can we hang out? Can we get coffee? Can we go to lunch? Let's do that. Let's let's start this. Let's get this fellowship started where we can encourage each other, sharpen one another. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, thank you for surrounding us with fellow believers. Lord, we thank you that there are so many opportunities to find people who are passionate about you. That, God, we are in a room with hundreds of people that care about you. God, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we pray that we would seize this opportunity. That, God, we would step out of our comfort zone that we would seek out fellowship, or that, Lord, if we already have some, that we would make it better, or that we would look for someone to include within our fellowship that doesn't have it. Lord, we just ask that you would empower us, that you would motivate us, that you would open our eyes. So, Lord, be with us this week. Lord, show us what relationships we need to improve, what relationships we need to form. Lord, we pray this all in your Son's name. Amen.